0: All right, let's get into this. Let's dig into this bitch. As promised, this is going to be my in-depth look at um, the main event of UFC 270. Uh, Francis Ngann versus Cyril Gunn. And there's lots of shit that I want to say about this fight. Yeah, um, Fenyu and Dan have released a full preview for the card. They preview the entire pay-per-view from top to bottom. Every fight, uh, every single fight is... Uh, broken down in depth on that podcast, so uh, go ahead and listen to it. Uh, I, on the other hand, am going to concern myself only with the main event because there's some details that I would like to point out that may be missed on some other pods. Uh, or, I mean, by by sheer virtue of uh, like uh, venue and then covering the entire card. Um, so, and there's also the forbidden. Um, Fabulous Technique podcast, our new show about MMA. Silas and uh, Christian have dug into the more compelling matchups on that uh, on that upcoming card. So certainly check it out. They're both they both have a really good uh, good eye for the sport. They're really smart blokes. And uh, well, me personally, I'm going to say some things that um, about Cyril Gunn in particular that uh, are liable to piss off everyone who is on that particular bandwagon so i'm just gonna get this out of the way right away right out of the gate i'm gonna admit that i'm rooting for francis and gano and there's uh mul- there, there are multiple reasons for it i'm fully admitting my bias and uh uh it's just that there's some there are there is a plethora of uh misconceptions about cyril gun and everyone seems to assume certain things about him that I just do not see. Over the process of studying him and watching him fight in the UFC, I do, just do not see in him the technician that is going to save heavyweight. And conversely, I see the technician in Francis Ngannou. Uh crazily enough, because, uh, I mean, we all know the memes about Francis Ngannou, and Francis Ngannou is just this... Uh, mindless brawler he's only got power going for him that's the only thing that's, that's propping him up yada 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 i disagree with all of that and so so if you if if this makes you want to turn this podcast off right now then certainly do that feel free just feel free to turn it off and listen instead to the i suppose more unbiased or more measured take on the fight I'm going to do my best to provide analysis for what I think will be the more probable outcomes in this fight, how the fight will play out, I will try and explore each dynamic in depth, and I'm gonna try and back up uh, every statement with uh, what I believe to be, well, the closest approximation of what could be facts. I'm not going to try and fact and logic this whole thing. This this is not what I do. I disagree with that notion at all, like, uh, uh, in principle, (laughs) because, I mean, okay, Uh, fight analysis is largely subjective because you cannot trust uh, the analytics data, the statistics that uh, fight metric provides. You can use them provided you understand the context in which they should be used, if you combine the statistics with uh, the actual footage then you may ap- approximate like may you, then you may ap- approach sub- something that could be a- the closest approximation of what actually happened uh we've talked about this on all the previous spots on the nature of analysis how to communicate analysis and uh, all that kind of stuff so this is what i'm going to do uh you cannot be 100% objective you can just try and be Less subjective than you would otherwise been, uh, than you would have otherwise been if you were to simply state your opinion uh, opinions. And what I'm going to do is state my opinions and try to back them up. Okay, uh, and I'm also going to try and address certain uh, feedback that I've received from both uh, fans of the podcast, uh, mere listeners of the podcast. Well, not mere listeners, just casual listeners who tune in to hear me prattle on about fights. And, um, certain other unconnected parties that have heard my views on Cyril Gunn and Francis and Gano and, uh, any given fighter and, uh, disagreed with me, um, uh, disagreed either with the exact phrasing that I've, that I frequently use and, um, the exact, um, well, the sum of the statements that I make on the regular. So, I guess another disc- disclaimer would be that I'm gonna do and I'm, I'm gonna try and dissect certain statements that I hear going around. And I am by no means a native speaker of English language. Uh, it's not my native language. Uh, and, uh, m- granted, my understanding of certain words and certain concepts in the, uh, might, might be lacking in the English language. And so if, if I were, if I'm gonna mis miscon- uh, misconstrue Certain concepts and statements and uh, phrases, etc. Then I apologize in advance. Uh, but if you're still with me, let's get into it. Let's break this whole thing down. Uh, the reason why I root for Francis and Gano in particular is, um, well, first of all, there's an, an emotional, personal reason. Is that it's that I simply find his life story incredibly compelling and inspiring, and uh, heartrending in certain things, in certain uh, uh, regarding certain things that happened to him while he, uh, well, the way he grew up, the way he left his home country, the way he had to cross a desert and endure all sorts of horrible, horrible occurrences and uh, tragedies, and uh, the, the various roadblocks that he he's faced. Uh, uh, there's also this whole narrative around him, the way the UFC tried to strong arm him into accepting, the way the UFC tried to strong arming him into accepting a fight immediately after uh, getting the belt from Stipe Miocic in a performance of a lifetime. It was an amazing performance, incredible career turnaround, massive improvement on all fronts. Just that performance blew me away. Sure. To a certain extent, it can be argued that perhaps Stipe Majocic is simply not the same person anymore. Perhaps he has beaten, beaten a diminished version of Stipe Majocic. And certainly, yes, there is a, there is a distinct possibility that this may be the case. But, but it would be, uh, I would be remiss not to heap praise upon Francis and for managing to, uh, turn in such a, uh, just, a really flawless performance. Uh, pretty much just across the board. Just zero mistakes. Uh, some wonkiness, uh, wonkiness here and there. But then again, he was trying to fight like a functional MMA fighter for the first time in his career. <laughs> Certainly for the first time in the UFC. So uh, that that is to be commended. Uh, beyond that, uh, I think... This, uh, criticism of him and this idea of him as a brawler as a just dumb, uh, f- dumb brawler with no nuance that is only being carried by his power. I think this no longer holds true. I think this is no longer correct to do that. Uh, I think it's no longer correct to, to continue doing that. And, uh, uh sure, he may, uh, we may yet see a, another like psyched-out version of N'Gano in this fight. Gun certainly possesses certain attributes that may make N'Gano either sloppy or incredibly passive, as uh, like the version that we saw against Derek Lewis. It's entirely possible. It's certainly a possibility. As for Cyril Gunn, um there's that the, i've received multiple comments especially after the heavy hands appearance where i've stated i've made my displeasure with his performance against Derek lewis clear there have been certain uh trends that i saw about him that's uh, um that i find to be uh i i feel like they do not belong in a fighter that he's touted uh, uh that he's touted as being uh this um uh, composed peerless technician at uh, heavyweight, the first true technical fighter at heavyweight, um, all that kind of stuff. I do not agree with it. Uh, the fighter that I saw across multiple fights in the UFC uh, is, is, a, is a completely different fighter. He's not that. That is uh, my... F- it is a firmly held belief of mine, and I will stick to it. Uh There, there has been... Uh, has been a particular comment um has stuck in my memory it's stuck in my mind uh, I've been accused of having a contrarian bias <laughs> so <laughs> i mean once again i'm not a native speaker uh, maybe that is accepted parlance in the english language but uh, I, I find this i find this statement to be nonsensical there is no such thing as a contrarian bias uh, because a contrarian bias is just simply a bias. It's just it's just a bias. I'm simply biased against Cyril Gun, and I admit that I am biased against Cyril Gun. But there's a reason for that. There's multiple very good reasons for why I am biased against Cyril Gun. And as for being a contrarian, what well what is a contrarian? First of all. Uh, the way I understand it, the contrarian is someone who does things out of spite, the one who says things in order to spite the other party, to in order to instigate a negative emotional reaction in uh, in the in the person that they're speaking to. And uh, that is not my intention. I do not set out to annoy anyone or humiliate anyone or to go on a rant uh, where I belittle and insult and uh, question the intelligence of people who hold certain beliefs. Uh, I simply uh, I, I, the, I have the opinions I have because this is what I see this this is what I think uh, I do not let others people, other people other people's perception of things to uh, affect my own personal views because they would cease to be my own personal views it would simply be a reaction I'm not trying to be reactionary here Certainly, I may anticipate certain opinions uh i uh, i may i may anticipate certain opinions being expressed in my presence or in response to my statements and uh I may try and cut them off and uh, like clarify things so as not to be misunderstood and this is what I'm trying to do right now uh as you uh, as as it should have been made perfectly clear in the beginning. And uh, so I am biased against Cyril Gunn because simply I do not like his style. I do not find it compelling. And I fundamentally disagree with the principle of the style. I think this, I think the things that uh, Francis Ngannou has shown in his rematch with Stipe Mejocic is how a fighter should develop. And it's the kind of style that I would like to see more at heavyweight, which is fundamental, basic MMA competency. I am against gimmicks. I dislike quote-unquote meme styles and I dislike quote-unquote meme techniques. I admit that they have place in MMA, provided they're built into a fundamentally sound style of fighting, something that Peter Jan does. And I've been accused multiple times of being boring or, or for liking boring fighters or simply liking fighters who are simply the best in the world and uh, i mean yes because looking at fighters who are the best in the world is much much more interesting than just latching on to certain gimmicks it's more interesting to me i for example i would i would freely admit to enjoying robert whitaker fights much more than i enjoy kevin holland fights you know, for the simple reason that Robert Whittaker is one of the best fighters in the world. I don't think what's so I do not I don't don't understand what's wrong with that. <laughs> it's just I I like good things and I want more of them. I want better things and I want better MMA. And I believe that uh basic fundamental and depthful MMA acumen is the way to go. And uh, certainly Th- something, employing a style that Xero Gunn employs is completely viable in MMA, especially at heavyweight. It's a completely viable style. It works. He's beating people with it. Except that, uh, I think that the way uh, the, his style is much better expressed in fighters like Piotr and Robert Whittaker Because Piotr is also um, a very adept switch hitter and uh, Robert Whittaker utilizes the same bouncy style of footwork and lancing jabs and, uh, in and out movement, and he utilizes it to a much more, uh, depthful and, um, uh, much more varied and nuanced degree. This is all I think that, that, that's, and uh, I would like, and certainly if Cyril Gun develops in that direction and starts showcasing the same level of acumen, maybe not exactly the same, I mean, after all, it's heavyweight and, uh, f- uh, fighters fight to according to the to the level of skill in their division in their respective division, and it makes total sense. And it would make total sense if Gunn were to beat Francis and uh this weekend, and if he would to continue fighting the same way he fights now and would ac- continue acquiring wins, that would be perfectly fine. So Gunn gets paid, he he accumulates title defenses. There's a title reign. There's a clear. Um champion at the top at the top of the division that is uh, certainly very good relative to the rest of his opposition and would I'm not against that it's just that I wouldn't find it all that interesting simply due to his style due to the nature of his style and due to the nature of the opposition that he's going to face because as we all know, and it's um something that uh it's a statement that drew criticism and continues to draw criticism. From MMA fans is that, uh, we at the fight side tend to be fairly cynical when it comes to the level of skill at heavyweight. Because, and, and uh, the common counter argument is that, oh, he- it's heavyweights, they're huge. It's much harder to, f- to acquire the same level of skill that you, you may see at the, um, lower weight divisions. And, uh, my response to that is, uh, watch other sports. Check out other more well established sports. Like wrestling, kickboxing, and, uh, just plain boxing. And the heavyweights there, the highly talented heavyweights there, their level of skill isn't all that far removed from the level of skill that you see at the lower weight classes. Certainly they're not as quick. Uh, there's not such a, there's not a, that much of a, that deep of a talent pool, naturally, because you, the big men g- usually get snatched up by other more well-paying sports, such as basketball and uh, football and rugby, etc. I do not dispute that. But I do not think thats uh, uh, that I'm overstepping when I'm trying to um when i'm trying to advocate for a more critical um assessment of skill at heavyweight uh, i i don't don't think i'm overstepping when i'm advocating for people to be more critical of heavyweights in general because criticism doesn't come from it. for me at the very least i'm not doing this because i hate mma or because i enjoy snarking about mma or because i enjoy uh s- Saying that the thing that you enjoy and hold dearly to your heart is bad. Do not derive any enjoyment from it. I may enjoy coming up with clever wordplays or uh, c- coming up with funny jokes to m- in order to make my friends laugh. But I'm not trying to go out of my way to shit on people. I just want better things. That's why I criticize things. That's why you criticize all things. That's because you're disappointed and want something more. And I don't believe that I'm entitled for that. Uh, I don't find. I don't think that I'm enti- an entitled person in general. Obviously, uh, the um, listeners may disagree, and people that um, interact with me may disagree with that. But that's how I feel. And uh, I think that as a customer, as a viewer of an of a spectacle sport, uh, as a viewer of entertainment media, that it is my right. To ask for better things. That's all there is to it. Okay, back to Cyril Gunn. Cyril Gunn, uh, the way people view him and uh, what his actual style subsists of, um, consists of rather. And Cyril Gunn, I I suppose it, I mean, I'm assuming that Cyril Gunn subsists on protein fa- fatty acids and uh, car- carbohydrates etc <laughs> this is why i constantly talk about na- the english language not by my, not being my na- native language because i make mis- still make mistakes like this okay Gun. there's still serogun the actual fighter and serogun the idea of a fighter uh the idea of Gun, uh the composed patient um skillful, masterful outfighter with uh, a lancing jab, uh, nice sidekicks, uh, peerless control of distance, fighter that is equally potent from both stances and exploits this fact willingly and uh, adeptly and is very good at uh, everything that he does. The only criticism is from dummies that do not understand the nuance of his game, the nuance of his style. Every Serogun fight is a chess match. And he's the, gro- the groundmaster of MMA. Uh, and everyone who faces him is befuddled by his craft. And when you actually look at the fights, uh, Cyril Gunn has faced a position that is, uh, quite frankly, it's poor. And I do not fault him for that, because the level of opposition at heavyweight in the UFC is just that's what it is it's just poor and that's why francis ngano has been able to just uh just run through the division and knock everyone dead without really like facing any type of opposition that would make him adapt until he faced stipe miocic stipe miocic made francis ngano adapt and improve and stipe miocic was pretty much the only the last great heavyweight that uh, was actually like Functional and, uh, fundamentally sound. We'll get into it later. Cyril Gunn, uh, hold on. Let's actually look at, uh, who, at, uh, the fighters that he's faced in his run so far. Okay. UFC, uh, the UFC, his UFC debut, Rafael Pessoa, won by Arm Triangle Choke in the first round at the, uh, to the last seconds of the uh, first round. Uh, what actually happened? Pessoa uh, attempted to initiate grappling with Gun. pretty much took himself down, and then Serogun just sort of squeezed. It wasn't even a full arm triangle choke. The arm triangle choke that you should do, that should be performed correctly, is that you slap on the arm triangle, then you adjust your position so that you create pressure. You actually adjust your foot positioning... Assume side control and then you start pressing and the pressure, uh, results in the, in the submission. Here he just, he, I think he was stuck in half guard and he just squeezed. And certainly this speaks to the, I suppose, the, uh, strength of Cyril Gunn, his athleticism, and, uh, Cyril Gunn has, uh, styled on the Rafael Pessoa on the feet. But, uh, uh, the bottom line is that Rafael Pessoa wasn't all that great. Uh, High level fighter shouldn't react to. Shouldn't just he? Rafael Pessoa did nothing. He just hang. He just flopped to his back and then conceded the arm triangle and then tapped. That's all. That's literally it. People talk about him being a black belt, and they can talk about him being a black belt all they want, but. A black belt is a black belt is a black belt. There are, set, there are certain levels of black belt. There's different schools. Certain schools are more willing to give black, hand out black belts. And, uh, uh, being a huge guy, uh, training BJJ, uh, big fat guys out there. You know. <laughs> I know. I'm over 200 pounds. And there are certain positions out of which I can just strength my, like, basically just strength my way out. Uh, my way out of because purely as a function of my size. do Maze, submission, heel hook, styled for three rounds, then got him with a heel hook. Don't Tail Maze me, tried swinging, tried uh, tried swanging, tried banging, simply was outclassed, did not have any functional boxing or kickboxing or anything else, gassed very badly. And, uh, Cyril Gunn basically acted as a training dummy for Cyril Gunn, as a, as a heavy bag. And then Cyril Gunn decided to submit him with a heel hook for kicks. And, uh, the exhausted and battered Dante Almeis, who I presume doesn't actually know how to deal with heel hooks, uh, I think it's a fair assumption, tapped. Okay. Decision Tanabosa. Three rounds. Unanimous decision. Tanabosa. Uh, everyone talked about him being the hot new prospect, and uh, sure, he's um, he's one of those, like, f- fatty with the fast hands type archetypes, and uh, uh, didn't offer anything interesting to Serol Gunn, was befuddled by his style, by his stun switches, and uh, once again, uh, it was a, I suppose, a fairly conservative but nonetheless winning performance. Junior Santos got ticky out with an elbow... And, I mean, this is Junior DeSantos in the year 2019. Uh, I mean, Junior Santos is done. He's uh, he's a professional wrestler now. And the Junior DeSantos that, um, uh, that just styled all over Mark Hunt has been long gone at this point. Um, Cirogan didn't even have to pressure him. He just kicked him up and then elbowed him. And then Junior Santos uh started, started up a stink about it being to the back of the head, whatever. Strike decision, Volkov decision, uh, nothing nothing too interesting to say about it outside of this being five-round fights and that Cyril Gun uh, seems to be able to maintain a pace over five rounds. Granted, those fights were way less high volume than the previous outings from Cyril Gunn, because purely by virtue of, uh, by na- by the, through the nature of his opponents. Jerzynian Rosenstrike is kind of like, he's a dangerous puncher, but he doesn't do any, much of anything. And there's the, there's the threat of a you, you suppose you can justify Cyril Gunn by the fact that, I guess he was cautious. And uh, Volkov is just lanky and uh, annoying and um, just plain hard to deal with because he's huge. Then we approached Derek Lewis and Derek Lewis just gave up. <laughs> but there's one th- that's the last performance is the most damning one for me. Uh, damning uh, rather. Uh, and I've spoken about this uh, at length both on the Heavy Hands podcast and uh, the MMA podcast I believe. Uh, I mean this was the worst possible matchup for Derek Lewis. And still, Derek Lewis has been able to pressure Cyril Gunn to the fence with no footwork by just walking forward. And everyone talks about the uh, professed adeptness of Cyril Gunn when it comes to Ringcraft, and I do not see it. Cyril Gunn has the uh, Alexander Gustafsson type Ringcraft, where he would just turn his back and run out. He would turn his back and jog out of danger if you press him to the fence. And pressing him to the fence doesn't take all that much, they are close, no offense, just stumbling forward, tired, battered, stumbling forward. Serogan St- still got pressed to the face uh, to the fence. And it's a really, really alarming look, because we all know how Francis and knocked out Rosenstrike, He just ran at him, throwing bungalows. And with that kind of footwork, when you just turn your back and just run out, I don't think it's a good idea against Cyril Gun. Uh against Francis Francis and Gano, I'm sorry. Uh, it would not be a good idea for Cyril Gun to employ this type of ringcraft against Francis and Gano. That's one uh, that's one thing. The other thing that you m- may have noticed in those fights, if you go back and watch those fights is that Cyril Gunn has an atrocious right hand. He does not have any finishing threat, when it comes to his boxing at least. He has powerful body kicks, he's yet to exhibit his w- uh, a willingness to high kick, or at least whenever he high kicks, it's mostly to just t- it's mostly a slap on the guard, and then he rams in the body kick. Certainly an avenue, certainly a way to hurt Francis Ngannou, but uh, also fairly dangerous, because it opens him up for a counter. The way he does it, he he throws really really hard body kicks, but he's does it off stunt switches and constant stunt switches in front of your opponent, opening you up for a counter. And those outings, the, those more conservative decisions that he's got, uh, are m- mostly a side effect of his lack of finishing in- instinct, in my eyes. Uh, sure, he finished, he's finished uh, uh, Rafael dos uh Fuck's sake. Junior De Santos. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm kind of hungover, as usual, so uh, bear with me. But those are... Uh, I hate the expression exception that proves the rule. What I want to say is that uh, those are singular moments in a career that is characterized by zero-gun building and building and building offense, mounting offense, and not following up with power shots. least to the head um he's one of those heavyweights he has a peculiarity at heavyweight he's a heavyweight that likes pot shotting and uh, a heavyweight that likes throwing volume and it's a viable style it's perfectly viable but in the current heavyweight meta where once you cross that 200 pound threshold it doesn't really necessarily have to have a really huge, powerful right hand. It just has to have a right hand that he throws in a straight line. The way he throws it, it's like a rainbow overhand that frequently connects on the shoulder, on the guard, anything else out besides the heads and the body. He could have thrown it to the body. Would have been nice. But generally speaking, uh, my problem with him is that his footwork... Uh, it's a problem of uh, one extra step. Doesn't uh, The footwork that I prefer seeing in fighters is careful measured footwork where you take tiny steps to adjust your position so that you always remain in a position to throw powerful shots. Um, and Cyril Gunn certainly may have been able to develop that if he were to... He could keep his style, he could throw jabs, he could throw sidekicks, and then stand his ground and throw a straight counter. And that would grant him so many finishes just right now. It's the same thing that uh, Robert Whitaker showcased against uh, Calvin Gaston. it's just that he didn't knock, knock out Calvin Gaston because Calvin Gaston has, I mean, he's a, as the as the old saying goes, he's a big old Mexican with a big old head. The point still stands. it's a very viable way to fight and yeah it's just Francis the Isirogan, gun to me is like he's he kind of seems like an unfinished product. there's a problem he has problems in the pocket he's not very potent in the pocket doesn't have a tight left hook, doesn't have a tight right hand uh, doesn't have much of much of a defense beyond just putting his hands up. Uh, Because he spends much of the fight way on the outside with his hands down, hanging around by his waist, and he kind of like pulls them up when he's, uh, he's in danger. And I guess that's fine up to a certain point. Not when you're facing Francis Ngannou, who has showcased an ability to exchange in the pocket and throw really, really tight left hooks. Also, it's Francis Ngannou. And the thing that everyone brings up is that Oh, they used to be teammates. And there's a short clip of uh, Cyril Gunn uh, lancing Francis Ngannou up with jabs and kicks and just styling on him. And the thing is, uh, sparring footage is a... V- so trying to gleam information about the fight from sparring footage is a crapshoot. It's a very unreliable way to judge fighters. Because what is sparring? sparring is where you learn things sparring is where you uh, sharpen up your skills Muhammad Ali notoriously looked like shit in sparring he lets all his sparring partners to beat him up because he wanted to put those rounds in he wanted to see if he can weather the storm a bit see if he can how he behaves himself in uncomfortable situations. He willingly put himself in uncomfortable situations in which he looked like shit in order to improve in those uncomfortable positions. Because sparring is training. Sparring is what you do to train and develop skill. Naturally, Cyril Gunn, who is a, a reasonably accomplished Muay Thai fighter on the regional scene, on the regional French scene, uh, a fairly skillful kickboxer naturally he would piece francis and gano up in training especially if it's light sparring because when you're a puncher when you're a puncher when you spar you don't want to lean on your power in order to spar because that's that just defeats the, sp- the purpose of sparring it defeats it's also very rude because you don't want to hurt your sparring partner so naturally francis and gano held back and tried to figure out ways in, in which he could kickbox with Cyril Gunn, and naturally he lost. So sparring can mean two different things: either that you can, either sparring is just what happens and what will happen in the fight, or either it just paints a completely false picture, a reverse of what will actually happen. Beyond that, Francis and has left that gym. He no longer trains there. He's a different fighter now. He spars with different fighters, trains with different people, has a different training regimen. Uh, training regime now. That's what I assume at the very least. So stuff like sparring, it can easily throw you off. You have to keep it in the back of your mind when you're thinking about the fight, but you shouldn't th- put too much stock in it. So, because, like, the way I picture Nagano in training, based on his attributes and on, on his style, Nagano is probably super sluggish at, at certain points, and can sometimes catch you off guard with his quickness. But we, in actual fights, we've all seen how lightning quick Nagano really is. Boy can explode. He may be... uh He's not fleet-footed, the way Serogane is. He's not uh, light on the feet. He's kind of a bit of a plodder, but... His hand speed, uh, still very impressive. Beyond that, according to um, Eric Nixick, Francis Ngannou's trainer, head coach, his new head coach, and uh, uh, our grappling analyst and interviewer Ben Cohn actually conversed with Eric Nixik, and according to him, I don't remember if it was on uh, on the actual interview itself or it was like behind the scenes, but according to Eric Nixik, Francis Ngannou is now... Uh, He has now fallen in love with wrestling. He loves wrestling now, and he really enjoys uh, rolling around on the ground and uh, drilling positions and just uh, wrestle fucking people. So it's a new development. It's a new avenue through which he can attack Serogun now. Serogun, from what we've seen, uh, decent-ish takedown defense. Uh, He hasn't been shot on by very accomplished heavyweight wrestlers. Someone like stepy Mertich, for example, or even Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier is retired. stepy Mertich is a, um, has one foot out the door. Don't know how it, if whether we'll see that fight in the future, and um, so and it's irrelevant to this matchup because we haven't seen it. So kind of a blank slate. Knows how to put how to dig underhooks at the very least. Knows how to wall walk, I suppose. Uh, wouldn't be beyond the realm of possibility. But back to the original point, why I am biased against Zero style and why I am rooting for Francis Ngannou in this fight. Um, I think Francis Ngannou, with his athleticism and his attributes and, and his seeming focus, uh, he is seemingly focused on developing a fundamentally sound, sort of like a basic, functional, competent MMA game. I think this is this type of fighting style is what we need in the heavyweight division presently because it leaves less margin for error. Basics, the basics are basics for a good reason. They leave less room for error and Cirillo's style does not. It's unorthodox, it's unconventional, it's uh, it's awkward, it throws you off but with the way Cyril Gunn has been able to. He, that, that, that's the thing about Cyril Gunn. He has been able to get away with things. For and also, but I believe since he is now focused on improving, we're not gonna see it all that much in the future. Or at least his ability to get away with things will prop up his style even further. As opposed to uh, Cyril Gunn, who. It's kind of like a. Uh, I would. I'm not saying that Cyril Gunn is like Muhammad Ali. But Muhammad Ali's style was predicated on his uh, attributes, and he was able to get away with unorthodox things because he was so fast, so durable, and he got clattered quite often. Despite the fact that he has he's had good reflexes, and his entire defense was predicated upon those reflexes. And once once he got slower, he started getting uh, getting hit more often, and he started relying on his chin. But he went back to basics and started trying to power punch more. I uh, danced less, and he relied on the clinch way more often. So uh, I suppose this is an av- another avenue for Cirugano to adapt, in that he could develop a really good clinch game. Anyway, Francis and Gano with a more functional, more basic basic style. It won't be him relying strictly on his attributes; it would be more of him leveraging those attributes. And this is just something that I prefer personally. I think it's more intelligent and it's kind of cooler from a subjective standpoint I guess. Um I'm not trying to justify my biases based on facts I'm just try- trying to explain my uh, my reasoning to you once again trying to just trying to nail the the point home here. I apologize if it comes across as I am being condescending to you. No. It's not my intention. Maybe it's my tone. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's a cultural thing, maybe. I'm just blunt. I'm incredibly blunt, and uh, this is the type of uh, speaking style that you will find very common in Russia. That's just how it is. We're a rude people. But Cyril Gan has been able to get away with things because of the quality of his, op- his opposition and the talent pool at heavyweight. Uh, what do I mean by that? He hasn't met anyone... Who could consistently punish his stunt switches with uh, either pressure, counters, or good, consistent, solid leg kicking offense. Hasn't faced competent wrestlers either. Hasn't faced who would be, uh, who wouldn't be discouraged by his pot shotting offense and would just walk forward and throw power shots. Hasn't faced anyone like that up to, up until this point. Francis Sangano also largely met overmatched opponents and has been able to just run at people and knock them out right, like he did with Rosenstruck. And knocked out a chinny, uh, knocked, knocked out two chinny people in a row and then when he met his first stiff uh, stylistic test and Stipe Miocic, he got exposed. But, but, what people forget about this beating that he took from Stipe Miocic, this, this, this Miocic, this styling that Stipe Miocic has unleashed upon him. Um, people kind of forget about the fact that uh, Francis kind of lost that fight because. Uh, uh, he, he just got tired, he just uh, threw his entire gas tank away in the first round, and then, while super tired, he was still able to get up from, under, from underneath Stipe Miocic, who's a very competent top player from his folk style experience, a very competent wrestler, extremely powerful puncher, took, he, let, let me restate this, let me reframe this. Um, Francis Ngannou has met one of the most thunderous punches in the history of the heavyweight division. Took his shots for five rounds while dead tired without being able to see any of the shots coming because of his fatigue. Out, wildly out of position in almost every exchange. His feet were not under him. And he just straight up could not see shit coming or take the sting of punches by rolling with him and he still ate them. Ate them all. Like nothing. And was still fine after this. He got wailed on by one of the most powerful punchers in the history of the division. For five fucking rounds! For God's sake! Everyone forgets that he has... Uh, just... a gi- just, The boy has a beard on him. <laughs> Absolute cheater attributes. Insane Chen, uh, actually decent gas tank for his size and power and his ability to explode. So if Nganu actually figures out this whole thing of using the threat of his power and using feints to maintain a pace and um, dictate exchanges and uh, uh, save up his energy... He could basically be—he'd basically be unbeatable because—and we also saw his improved takedown defense against Stipe Miocic. Actually, used the wizard. <laughs> I mean, uh, and tried to wrestle offensively. Come on. Also, actually had some decent success with it. Hit a hit a nice go behind. Kind of got overzealous and tried to uh, shoot a double, which didn't work. But he he's had the sense to abandon it early. So there's that very encouraging signs. That that's that whole performance. I'm kind of predicating my excitement about Francis Ngannou on this entire performance. He's liable to disappoint me, not denying that at all. But that this, this entire fight, there's this entire fight has the potential to be either really really dull or really really exciting in both ways. Really dull in, uh, from both on both accounts from both fighters. Really exciting for both fighters. Or just really, really, really fucking stupid. It could be really fucking dumb. I'm not denying that. But what I'm trying to say here... uh, Provided Francis Ngannou wins... And uh, provided he decides to stay in the UFC... uh, And not leave the UFC because there there have been... uh, Very prominent contract disputes about payment and... uh, all that kind of stuff. The, the way that the UFC tried to strong arm him into accepting the fight. The way he, they made, uh, the way they essentially coronated Cyril Gunn to set him up to become their assassin for hire. To get rid of this pesky, uh, pesky little guy from bumfuck nowhere who wants to tell them what he wants, wants to do, has the goal to actually demand respect and payment according to his station. Oh, Dana White has been so generous in giving Francis Ngano a job after he uh, grew up in Cameroon and uh, lived on the streets etc. And that's one other thing that I frequently see being mentioned is that Ngano is somehow ungrateful for having left his original gem. After all, they gave him a roof under which he could sleep, on uh, under which he could sleep, and uh, uh, taught him all he knows, and uh, how he forgot all about all that, and he's not, he's not, uh, hasn't shown any gratitude. Uh, first of all, I do not fault any fighter for leaving the gym and finding and uh, moving on for greener pastures. It's just perfectly natural. It's rational. You, as a professional athlete, it is, it is in your interest to seek ways to improve your skill in order to become a better professional fighter, subsequently becoming, uh, securing your uh, prospects of getting more fights and winning more fights and uh, securing your future financially and uh, securing a good sporting legacy. That I see no problem with it. The whole thing with TJ and Cody, TJ saw that he could uh, improve much better at, uh, with Dwayne Bang Ludwig uh, left team Alpha male trained with Bang Ludwig. Uh, Ludwig won the fight uh, against won, won the fights against Cody uh, without much issue, because he just just got better. Conor McGregor could benefit a lot from actually switching camps, though I suppose it's uh, kind of uh, it's too little too late to do that, because he's not learning anything useful. It's straight blast gym. And uh, if you were to listen to what John Kavanagh says about fighting, uh, it doesn't strike me as something that a competent coach would say. Let's put it at that. Let's leave it at that. Let's put it this way. Okay, back to the thing. Uh, Back to my excitement about Ngannou being a long-reigning champion at heavyweight. Look at the way Stipe um uh, kind of set Francis Ngannou up for that improvement. C.P. Miochic actually raised the bar. Uh, there were a lot of eyes on his fights against uh, Daniel Cormier and there were a lot of eyes on his fight against Francis Ngannou. Uh, he kind of indirectly could have created this effect where he kind of raised the stock of m- heavyweight in MMA. Kind of the same effect that Fedor Emelianenko had on the division. And Crocop and Minotauro Noguera and other figures like that. Figures like that set a bar that you need to clear in order to become champion, in order to hang in there with the elites, in order to hang in, at least hang in there with the champion himself. So naturally, this creates a situation where fighters just improve in order to beat the guy at the top. This is what happens in healthy divisions with good, long reigning champions people like Jose Aldo. So, if Francis Ngannou with his attributes, with his insane power, insane chin, and basic competency in all areas of MMA, he could create a situation in which guys, there would, uh, there would, uh, some certain people, certain big guys would be interested in testing themselves against that. Because, in order to beat Ngannou that is competent, just has basic fundamental competency in mma you would also have to be basic and competent in mma you would actually be a f- have to be a functional fighter with good attributes either that you, you would either have to have athletic parity with him and higher skill level or high or better attributes with a at a dec- decent skill level and try picturing that kind of person i mean just Sends shivers down your spine, doesn't it? The idea of a fighter like that—an enormous, gigantic guy—who could beat a Francis Ngannou, who has mastered MMA—I mean, come on—and beyond, uh, or at the very least, if the situation doesn't improve, at least we get a string of very entertaining fights, very entertaining finishes. It's, it's going to be like the bum of the uh, going to be like the bum of the month club with uh, Joe Lewis. Where he would just knock out random guys in exciting fashion with good technique. Or just bonk them. That could be also fun. It could also be very fun. as It's not going to be the same circus that was heavyweight MMA for the past, what, 15 years? Maybe 20? So I'm on that train. Uh, I'm on that train. And uh, if... uh, But... But if Cyril Gunn shows improvement and comes up with a really good game plan to beat uh, an actually fundamentally competent, competent Francis Gano, I, I would be very much impressed indeed. Everything that I've just said about Cyril Gunn and how I would like to, to see Francis Gano at the top, I would swallow my words. He preys upon Cyril Gunn. I'm, I'm just going to do that. Because I've done that before, uh, in 2019, back when I started doing this whole thing, um, uh, we wrote staff picks for uh, Habib Nurmagomedov versus uh, Justin Gagey. and I made no—I did not try to cover up the fact that I was rooting for Justin Gagey very, very hard. Justin Gagey is one of my favorite fighters, one of my most favorite fighters ever, and uh, I was uh, noticing certain holes in Khabib Nurmagomedov's game. Nurmagomedov's game, rather, I'm sorry. Uh, and I wanted to see those uh, habits and flaws be tested by a good com- competitor. I wanted to see a good competitive matchup, uh, if uh, not a victory. I wasn't exactly like... I would have been glad if Justin Kagey got the win in, a, in an impressive fashion. That would have been cool to see. But the way Khabib Nurmagomedov adapted to Justin Gagey and just dismantled him impressed me so much that subsequently I released an entire breakdown of the fight where I just spent the entire podcast doing nothing but heaping praise upon Khabib Nurmagomedov, and there were some KVS where I talked about what ifs, where I talked about the way that Justin Gagey could have fought that fight, but I do not let my personal investment in certain fighters to just get sort of like cloud my juz- judgment in the way. Where I come off as bitter and annoyed, and just uh, refuse to give credit where credit is due. I do not do that. And uh, if Sirogan beats Francis and in an exciting fashion, then I would not shy away from praising that. Conversely, if he beats him in a boring fashion, I would not shy away from saying that the fight was boring because I mean I was bored watching that fight. What do you expect me to say to, to kind of like pretend that I was very excited? No, I'm not gonna do that. Or if Francis Ngannou beats Cyril Gunn boringly, I would just shit on him for being boring. I would not, would not try to justify anything. I mean, that's not what I do. <laughs> and, I mean, most of all, like, chiefly, I do not want the fight to be boring, like, full stop. I do not like boring fights. I don't want to see a boring fight. And the the reason why I'm so excited about this matchup is that Cyril Gunn is one of the better heavyweights. Francis and Gunn have the potential to be a really great heavyweight. And, I mean, they both have the potential to be really great heavyweights. It's just that I prefer one prospect to, to another. And prospect not in the sense that um, an uppercampo fighter, but just uh, future developments. I find one feature development to be more exciting than the other. But if Cyril Gunn proves to be competent w- enough with his unorthodox style and actually develops his unorthodox style in interesting and crafty ways, where you would start doing really cool shit like throwing, like, I don't know, throwing exciting wheel kick combos, th- with, like high kicking people and like throwing elbows, messing people up with elbows and you just fucking them up in the clinch dominating them and grappling, and if he, if he starts doing all those cool things then I would be fully on board. It's just that I'm not on board yet, that's all there is to it. I'm not trying to shit on anyone's parade, it's just what I think right now, presently. For now I just find the prospect of Francis and Ngannou just more, like, I find, I generally find Francis and Ngannou more fun and interesting to me personally, that's it. But the fight itself, If you're still with me, if you've uh, managed to sit out all these, well, what is it, 55 minutes now of me rambling around, and uh, rambling about random shit and trying to justify myself (laughs) to you, (laughs) Uh, then we can get into the breakdown itself. I've kind of like spoken about certain concepts that uh, would play a role in the actual fight, but as I've stated before, Anything could happen in this fight. It's uh, it's one of those... The sample size is just so small. It's generally really small uh, in MMA, like, overall, but it's especially small as heavyweight, because normally, you, whenever a new exciting prospect comes out, he just beats up all the fat guys, and then you're left with two guys who are kind of kind of decent. Um, but Before that, a word about Stipe Miocic. I think that Stipe... Like, people talk about Cyril Gunn like he's this... I saw someone's comment where they said that Cyril Gun is a better striker than stepy Miocic and I just do not agree with that at all. Because, I mean, why? Because he kicks? Because he switches stances? It's just the most rudimentary idea of striking possible. It's not about the tools that you have. It's about the depth of your, of your skill set. You could have you could have like a jab and a right hand. It's not. It's. It doesn't mean that you're gonna be a shitty fighter. It's just that it's the way you use them. Stipe Miocic has become one of the greatest heavyweights of all time by having two big honking fists, a double leg, and a will of iron. And that will has allowed him to come up with clever ways to not be dissuaded by. Uh, like tough matchups or anything else like that he just had the will to improve and ha- he had the will to utilize his minimalist skill set in smart and clever ways to beat fighters who are just as powerful as him bigger than him more powerful than him or fighters who have uh, one area of skill of skill where they uh, where he's where they outmatch him Doesn't matter. He improved, he came up with strategies that were simple, they were kind of basic. There was this uh, weirdness with Daniel Cormier, but you rarely see this at heavyweight, and that's why he stood out. I kind of want to... I just want to see more of that. It just kind of feels fitting that when Francesc Ingano has beaten Stipe Miocic in such an emphatic fashion by improving and actually trying to be a competent fighter, it's just... Uh, it's just paints a nice picture. It's just it's a cool story. It's a nice story. It w- would be cool if it played out, but this is fighting, and uh, rarely does uh, uh, what you want actually play out like you, like you would like it to to play out. You don't always get you what you want. That's basically what I'm saying. Anyway, the fight. Uh let's look at both competitors. Cyril Gunn, uh, very quick-footed, has an eye for... Has a bit of an educated jab. He can he knows how to use his jab in clever ways. Knows how to use kick and kicks in tandem with that jab. Uh, kind of... Uh, not exactly like the best uh, outfighter. I, I believe that Stipe Milchic was the way better outfighter uh purely because I mean he's actually had a pocket threat with which to uh, that kind of like curtailed the desire of other fighters to barge into range so he was free to pot shot at them and then follow up on those pot shot uh, on those pot shots on those jabs and low kicks with like a thunderous right hand it was it was really cool to see and here Cyril gun he's able to to kind of stifle other people's offense with his own offense. And he kind of like... His jabs, his needling jabs and his sidekicks are annoying enough that they kind of like lull fighters into a passivity. They start hanging around on the outside and he's free to pick at them. That's the basis of his style. Has really good, powerful body kicks of stun switches. If he went, uh, if he went for those body kicks more often, I'd be more on board. But he, uh, as it stands, he doesn't. If he were to mix in a high kick uh, on top of that, if he were to kind of like play around with his with his stance switches and wrap those head kicks around guards the way that Robert Whitaker does them, that'd be cool. Could be cool if he does if he were to do that against Francis Gunner. But again, the old habits of sparring sparring with Francis and Gunner could could kind of mess uh, mess with him in that sense. He could be more he could. uh, he could, in a sense, like, sort of deign to kind of like toy with him at range. It could, it could, uh, serve, it could, it could play out in, in two ways. It could, it could either, f- uh, f- uh, basically like fuck him, the old habit, because, uh, f- Francis and Gunner may be, may be improved enough where it doesn't matter anymore, or because it was sparring and uh, Francis and Gunner couldn't punch full four force, uh, will try to spar with him and get knocked out for it. Like, for example, he would start doing, like, the sidekick thing and needling jab thing, and Francis Gano would just kind of, like, uh, slip and, and counter, throw right hand, or they just low-kick him, you know. Uh, but but uh, he's reasonably strong in the clinch, fairly decent in there. Uh, Fenya I think, talked about this on the preview part. I haven't listened to it, but he said to me that uh, Fenyo and Dan told me that Fenyo's idea was that Cyril Gant can can uh, try out the clinch early on and see if he can move Francis in there if he can mess with Francis in, in the clinch that would be a good idea if he if he is able to do that he should stick to it mm. elbow him and breaks that kind of stuff knee him wear him out and then like run away with the with a decision because I'm not sure that you that Cyril Gant can finish Francis and and just don't see it with, with Francis Ganus chin. uh i mean uh, if you go back and watch the his rematch against Mjellich, Stipe Miocic stipe miocic lands the powerful one of the most powerful right hand counters you'll ever see very clean right on the uh, either the jaw or the temple francis ganus like wobbles a bit this convinces uh, stipe miocic that that, she, that he should should run in and finish the job gets countered with the really tight uh, left hook goes out so and Cyril Gunn would uh, being as uh, i suppose not as i wouldn't i don't want to say defensively minded but but i would say that he's safety he's a safety first kind of fighter don't think he will risk it i mean the the smart thing here i mean if he were more powerful if he actually had knockout power the smart thing would have been to try and knock francis Gano out early maybe or late try and lame it out just uh it's it's dangerous and not exactly doable and uh against a a power threat like ganus it seems counterintuitive it seems dumb to try and finish Francis Franciscano early, but catching people cold is a thing. It's a, it's a thing that happens. But uh, Initiating wrestling, not so sure. Uh, I mean, initiating grappling is a, is another thing entirely. He could try and shoot and then try to kind of like grind it out. Maybe hit a, a sweep and uh, kind of like hold Francis Gana down, but I don't think it's possible. Not sure how their physical attributes stack up with each other because uh, I mean they're both huge they're both really strong they both look incredibly strong and have looked incredibly strong against different opponents but I'm more convinced I'm convinced that Francis Angano is stronger of the two so uh, clinching and grappling with him, maybe in spurts, but not certainly, but trying to prolong it, I don't think it will work. I think it will backfire really badly. The one avenue I see for Gan is that if we see the same, if he is able to lull Ngano into the same, like, low volume fight as we saw against, uh, Ngano against Derek Lewis, and he, he kind of, like, sort of, It's kind of like Rosenstrucking both ways. Nganu could run at Gun and Rosenstruck him, and Gun could Rosenstruck Nganu by kind of like lulling him into a sense of passivity and kind of like potshotting at him and running away with the decision. It would be really boring and lame, but he could do that. I'm speaking about Serogun as I see him now, not the hypothetical Serogun that could show up and kind of like throw crazy high kicks and style on Francis Ngannou as for Francis Ngannou himself I would say that low kicks would be uh, the word of the day for him they should be the word of the day for him punish the stunt switches with uh, low kicks uh, low kick the shit out of him to stifle his movement play on his uh, ring craft press him to the fence cut the cage um Francis Ngano has shown a willingness to throw to the body. He could show that look again. Definitely a good idea. Great idea. Right straight to the body along the fence. Because when you press someone to the fence, you actually square him up. Uh, Because to circle out, they would have to. The smart way to circle out is to do an L step and then skip out. Uh, And so he could. When they skip out, they're squared up and you can throw to the body with impunity. Either wide rights to the body, wide lefts to the body, straights to the body, that kind of stuff. And uh, jabs to the body, certainly. Great look. Uh, Saw it against Tipe. Jab jab to the head, jab to the body, overhand. Excellent look, excellent combo. Works like a charm. Also disguises, level changes. If Francis Nganda decides to wrestle offensively, covers up the shot nicely. The way uh Gunn tends to do the gust of sun where he kind of uh, turns his back and runs out with his uh while well, ducking his head uh kind of pretty easy to intercept uh just kind of either a leaping left hook or just cutting him off or staying on top of him and while he runs you can just simply run after him and then hit him while he can't see you while his back is turned. Saw so that against uh, JDS when he, where he threw his stupid rainbow overhand and then like missed, like kind of sort of, sort of toppled over and then Ghana like chased him and then clattered him uh, in the temple while his back was turned. So that could do that. The thing is, with the, the type of ringcraft that Cyril Gunn uh, has showcased, um, during his run is that, uh, I'm kind of, I kind of think that Francis Gunner could just, just basically run at him and throw them bungalows. It could work. <laughs> I mean, not, not sure how durable Serogan is. It could actually wear Francis and Gano, uh, Francis and Gano out really fast. Because Serogan could make him miss. He, he could do that. Could even hit a pivot. Serogan is not like incompetent at fo with his footwork. Could duck down and pivot from underneath the bungalows. The aforementioned bungalows. So, certainly, at, uh, another, another appearance from the technical, patient, Sir Francis Ngano is warranted here. Much more than the, your usual, like, crazy Ngano. Uh, the Ngano who psyched himself out, who went, ah, fuck this, and just ran at people. I uh, don't think he, he, uh, the, like, it is warranted here not not a great idea wouldn't be a great idea, great idea is what I'm saying uh, um, back to the topic of the clinch uh, now that I think about it now that I really think about it I'm not sure uh, Nganu could be that adept in prolonged clinch exchanges I, I know I said the opposite but if you have the right technique and Gan could have the right technique if he tests the waters, if he sees if uh, whether or not who is, uh, if he's either stronger in the clinch or more skillful in the clinch, he could stick to the clinch. Uh, showcase some more tie looks here and there. Uh, play around with other hooks, play around with um, head control, bicep control, that kind of stuff. And find bits of offense here and there. Now, uh, what Ngano has to do in this situation is to, like, violently get out of the clinch, and immediately throw off the break. Throw strikes on the break, and there, Cyril gun could conceivably be very vulnerable. Most people are very vulnerable in those exchanges where it's like transitionals In those transitional exchanges where, like, it's a phase between phases. You're exiting the clinch, and now you're entering striking. And when you throw a strike in the in, the, in, the, in that transitional phase... Throws a lot of people off, and with Gunn's defensive problems in the pocket, um, because conceivably Gunn doesn't like pocket exchanges because he, that, his preferred range is the outside range, the kicking range. So it makes sense that he could have a defensive deficiency in there, and a left hook would play really well here. It would pay to throw the left hook uh, in that ex- in that situation. As uh, as for wrestling offensively, I'm not sure if Francis Ngano is uh, the type of guy who would be able to kind of like really control uh, Gun on the ground, but we saw him actually go to a ride against Stipe and throw really like dangerous, scary strikes. And the reason why Stipe survived is first of all, he's also a strong wrestler and could get up. Francis didn't exactly control him all that well. But he was more concerned with th- with throwing strikes there and finishing Stepe, and Stepe's head is made out of lead, and so he didn't go out in that sequence. He went out when Stepe when Francis went for a, a really like unexpected shifting, uh, actually really really tight shifting forward combination, marching combination. Uh, his feet were under him. The punches were very straight, and. Um, didn't came at weird angles. It was just a really nice, tight, shifting combination. Could also play a role here. Uh, basically, like, when I'm trying to come up with scenarios in which Gan could win this fight, it always comes out, comes back with as really boring but dominant performance. Or just a, or a wonky split decision. It would also require Nganu to react very passively to, to Gunn's offense, and I, uh, I hope that he won't. I don't think he will, but that's what it is. I think if Nganu wins, it will be either a finish or a really exciting fight with lots of knockdowns, but, uh, or maybe a wrestle fuck, who knows. But with uh, Cyril Gunn, uh, the only avenues I see for him are boring. A submission, perhaps, maybe, could even win the fight with submission. But this, this is the problem. Again, this is a fight where anything could happen and it could be really dumb or really exciting. Uh, it could turn out that Nganu hasn't learned how to defend heel hooks. I mean, the fucking Serogano rolls for a fucking Imanari. <laughs> I don't know, like, chokes him out. Well, after, I don't know, a bungled after a bungled wrestling attempt. That could also be a like a thing. Gano shoots, gets into a guillotine, and is unable to get out of it. Seems unlikely, but could happen. But generally, the way I see this fight going... uh mm, Now that I really think about it, I think a very likely scenario is uh, Gano attempts to pressure, work behind the jab, and lead, but is uh, a touch too, too slow. To catch, Gun circling out, a touch too slow. So it could be, could end up in a decision either way, a split, where Gun wasn't able to mount any meaningful off- offense off his pressure behind the jab and the low kicks, and Cyril Gun has been able to ward him off on volume and uh, body kicks, but since is and Serogun didn't lead to anything like did not eat to wouldn't lead to a finish that way but uh, it would be a competitive fight a closely contested fight that doesn't end up with a, in a decisive doesn't end decisively with a clear winner that's what I'm uh, that's that's what I'm saying could certainly be a possibility but nonetheless I'm still rooting for Francis Ngannou and I'm picking Francis Ngannou I'm hoping for an Ngannou knockout a really good, well set up and Ghana knockout, that would be dope. And I'm rooting for a long title reign for Francis and Gana. But if uh, Zero Gun wins, I would like to see improvement. I would like to see much improvement in uh, areas concerning ringcraft and finishing ability and putting kicks and punches together in a way that leads to more damage. As it stands, I hope I made myself clear. As to my biases and uh, the 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 things that drive drive me to say the things that I say in the way that I say them. Um. Yeah, I suppose this is this I could call this a preview of UFC 270, but more it's more of a. uh, The title I suppose would be UFC 270. Why I root for Francis Ngannou. That would be more honest. That would make more sense. I think that I'm going to go with it. Anyway, if you uh, found this um, uh, this podcast to not be all that interesting or the, all that insightful, then I apologize. There are two, two previews that actually concern themselves with serious analysis. Uh, serious, like, in-depth, well-thought-out analysis the, in terms of strategy and tactics. Listen to those. Uh, it's the full preview of UC 270 by Dan and Fenio and the other one is uh, the Forbidden Technique podcast by hosted by Silas and Christian listen to those otherwise uh, I hope hope this was mildly fascinating at least mildly interesting not fascinating mildly um I hope this was uh hope this made sense uh, let's put it that way Otherwise, I'm very excited for the, for the main event, not so much for the entirety of the card itself. Uh, Sriram, Sriram Morali Daran has made a joke where he called this, uh, you see, he said the subtitle to this event should be, uh, the title to this event should be UFC 270, the Dana White's Pretender Series. <laughs> because if you actually look at the card, there's like a whole bunch of like black names, names in black with no links, uh, no Wikipedia pages the rest is just mostly guys from the Contender series. Uh, really, really very top-heavy, uh, really top-heavy card. And this is by design. The first, I would say that, I, I, I would hope that uh, I'm wrong, I would like to be proven wrong, and for most of the fights to, to, to turn out to be entertaining, and that I'm underrating the names on the card. That would be dope. But, Otherwise, it continues, it continues the trend that we've spoken of before is that, that the UFC is kind of like becoming lazy. Uh, the ESPN deal is guaranteed revenue. They're content to put out top heavy events and kind of like put, put maybe like hope for two, two or three, maybe even one good fight on the cards. And, and, um, the fans are kind of content with that and, uh, the UFC is content with that. And, uh, I don't like that trend. I don't enjoy it. Uh, It doesn't lead to memorable events. And um, I kind of. I really dislike this model. It makes sense for the UFC, but it doesn't benefit me as a customer, you know? As a viewer. Anyway. I suppose that's enough of that. Uh, uh, I guess uh, I'm not sure about the plans for the rest of the week. Um. There are certain, like, the, there are some... Uh, I've plugged most of the content, the, most of the... I've announced most of the uh, upcoming content on the previous podcast. The one that, where I offer an in-depth look. That that one is a, an actual technical post-fight breakdown of Calvin Cato vs. Giga Chikadze. If you missed that one, please go back and check it out. You may find it more enjoyable than this, this episode, purely on the basis of it being more of a straight-laced... Uh, a fight analysis podcast, but yeah. Uh, otherwise, I'll see you later. I suppose I'll see you after the event. I'm working on some stuff, and uh, uh, we'll get to it when we'll <laughs> when, when I'm actually done with it. And I'm certainly going to offer a post-fight breakdown of on, on Gano vs. Gan. Whether or not it will be exciting, I don't know. Uh, but if it's boring, I will talk about how it's boring. If it's exciting, I'll talk about how it's exciting. That's it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, somehow I managed to... Uh, I hope I've done a decent enough job of explaining myself to you. And I've decent enough done a decent enough job of actually breaking down the fight. All right. I'm off. Uh, got my first jab of... Uh, I'm starting. Uh, I've revaccinated today, halfway there. got my first jab. I'm kind of starting to feel the side effects. <laughs> or maybe I'm just hungry, so I'm fucking off. I gotta go. Alright, see ya. <laughs> God, never know how to end these, do I?